Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. In a community such as ours, fraternal organizations and service clubs play a big role in helping fill the gap for some of our citizens. One such group is the International Order of Odd Fellows and Rebeccans. Our guest today began his association with the Kingston Lodge and currently also serves as the Deputy Grandmaster for Ontario. His name is Mark Blakey. Welcome to the program, Mark. Thank you so much, Dave, for having us. We are going to talk about the Independent Order of Odd Fellows and Rebeccas. And I guess we should start off by having you tell us a little bit about the organization and how it got started. We're celebrating 200 years this year, which is a phenomenal milestone for us in North America. But back in the 1700s in England, where it all began, um, the name Oddfellow actually originated from a group of men at that time, it was men, that worked for a lord. And if something happened to one of the men, usually the family um, widow and the orphans would be tossed off the land because there was no apparent value to the lord of the land anymore. So a group of men got together behind closed doors to make a, a fund for the widow and the orphan. And it was very odd at that time, so it was known as the Odd Fellows. From there, uh, it went from England into the States, into Baltimore, Maryland, and where a gentleman by the name of Thomas Wildley brought it across and then started, for, originated there, and then came through to Montreal, Quebec. And that was the first lodges built in, in Montreal. And then on a covered wagon, uh, a couple times a year, the brothers would get on the wagon and come through, and they would start lodges as they came through. So Kingston, for example, is lodge number 10, and it's known as Cataraqui Grant Lodge number 10. Uh, but in essence, there was actually three lodges here at one point in time. Cataraqui was one, Granite was another. Uh, the two lodges accumulated, so or amalgamated, so then it became Cataraqui Grant Lodge number 10. And at our high point back in the 50s, we had 1,200 members, three lodges, and just a phenomenal amount of odd fellowship going on in this very city. Most people remember us for playing bingo at the, the big lodge up on Princess Street or learning how to dance. Um, but the little known facts about Odd Fellowship in Kingston are Sir John A. MacDonald actually started Odd Fellowship in Kingston. So he would have gotten together with four or five other guys, got together, and would have formed the first lodge. Uh, Dr. A.E. Ross, um, another famous Odd Fellow, was very instrumental and invented the ambulatory services of the First World War, which then they used. So, I mean, the history does go on and on. If you look, if you came into our hall on Concession Street and looked around the, the walls, you would see uh, the who's who of Kingston, uh, their, their faces and, and names up in the, up mm -hmm. the walls of the, of the lodge room. Now, when we talk about uh, an organization such as the, uh, the On Fellows, yes. I was thinking of it in terms of it being a service club, but you're telling me it's not a service club. We're not a service club. We're a fraternal organization. So therefore, if you need help in any other part of the world, um, if you're an odd fellow, uh, any odd fellow lodge will welcome you in as a brother or sister. Um, we have been to other parts of the, the United States and other, other countries, uh, such as Cuba and the Philippines, where lodges are growing. And it's anything from um, during a natural disaster where you need to find your, your relatives, you make a phone call to the lodge and they will go and they will help you find your relatives to, to put your, your, your mind at peace. 
Uh, we've been to our souls, just Pennsylvania recently, and went into the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania. Just come on in, have a seat. Here's a coffee. Uh, what's new and exciting? You're in the world because we're we're one and the same. Uh, you're you're recognized as an odd fellow. What are the main principles that you look at when you're talking about someone being an odd fellow? Well, when we're looking at that, our goal is to help make the world a better place. Uh, to live by aiding each other and by organizing charitable projects and activities that would benefit the less fortunate, the children, the youth, the elderly, the environment, and the community in every way possible. So when we join, our pledge or our commitment is to uh, to bury the dead, to educate the orphan, to visit the sick, and relieve the distressed in any way, shape, or form. Uh, in Kingston, we do operate a humanitarian services program which is the biggest in the province, by the way, and we will deliver free of charge hospital beds, walkers, canes, um, whatever is needed, wheelchairs, power wheelchairs, to anyone that is in need of that sort of uh, items. And then we pick it up again at no, no additional charge. Now our sister lodge in Harrowsmith also does the same thing. Um, the Odd Falls Rebecca's there do it. So we, we are uh, mandated to help anyone and everyone that we possibly can. When you talk about the kinds of things that organizations like yours do, and I find that if you are deeply involved with one organization, you don't have a lot of experience with another because you've dedicated yourself to the one organization. I'm just curious to know if you've got any sense as to how your organization would differ from others that provide the kind of community service that you do. Um, I think everyone is a little bit different, Dave. Everyone has their own little claim to fame, if you will, for anything. for Pet cause. Pet cause, exactly, for <laughs> lack of a better word. Um, our pet cause since 1985 has been Camp Trillium, and I will tell you more about that just a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, but we, we certainly, and, and we have put uh, a million, probably a million dinners to, to rest on a Sunday afternoon, come and get your roast beef or turkey or what have you, um, to do garage sales, to do whatever it is to raise funds for um, our local charities that we, we provide and we support. Um, I mean, we, we have so many different uh, charities like the iBank out of Toronto that we help support. We support leukemia. We support arthritis. We have a, um, an Oddful Rebecca home in Barrie that we also support. So when we're out there doing our volunteerism or our fundraising, every dollar that we raise is going back into the community in some way, shape, or form. Um, other service clubs that are out there, I mean, they do great work as well. And everybody has their own little causes, maybe the hug, it may be uh, leukemia, it might be um, whatever it may be. And they're all such great causes. And if every organization takes their own little piece of the pie, then that pie gets certainly built in our mm -hmm. You alluded to it earlier when you said that uh, there are Oddfellow organizations around the world. Give us a sense as to where membership stands worldwide right now. It sounds like you had mentioned earlier that uh, the organization is growing in Cuba and there was another country you mentioned and I've forgotten already, but... Um, the Philippines. It's, is it third world? And I hate to use that kind of a phrase, but is that where the organization is growing? Is in those populous countries... Yes and no. In a different part of the world? Um, I think with Odd Fellowship in North America, we got, we got comfortable for a little while. And uh, we had lots of members. We had lots of uh, finances rolling in. So, so we weren't looking as hard as we needed to look to recruit new members. Uh, the other thing that is changing as well now today is that the uh, younger folks um, have other things that, that are on the go. They're, they're busy with their, their families and they have other commitments that they're entertaining and doing. And that's great. 
the Philippines and, and other third world countries like Mexico, well, not third world again, but uh, mm-hmm. just using your word, uh, Mexico and, and other, there's actually lineups of people waiting in the Oddfellows Lodge. Really? Lineups. Okay, well, that's good. Um, we go to the lodge, like I am here, in dress pants and a dress shirt with a tie and a coat. Uh, they go in tuxedos in some places. Really? So it's really, uh, you know, they, they take it to that next level. Um, when we look at, you know, we have probably over 10,000 lodges in 25 different countries. So you are getting a vast variety of different um, tastes and nationalities and, and flavors uh, throughout the whole mix because there's nobody that's really the same. Uh, we even noticed the difference. We were just traveling a little bit in the States and we went to a couple of lodges there. They're different and they, they conduct differently than we do here in, in Kingston and in, in Ontario. Um, you look at the, the, our history and, I mean, King George IV was an odd fellow. Um, Wyatt Earp was an odd fellow, and we actually have his membership card that we can still show. And one of the Dalton boys was his noble grand or the no, leader no, of the there's, lodge. There's the spectrum. There's the, the king spectrum. of England and the uh, sheriff in the wild, wild west. Yeah. <laughs> that brings up a point. I was just going to ask you the question, and you led into it beautifully. There, as I read when I was looking to do uh, this interview and have a chat with you, the business of the organization being founded in England originally, and then it came over to North America, and then is there a stream that's American-based and a stream that's British-based that different countries follow, or is it all one stream these days? It's all one and the same. Um, we all follow the same. It's called our, our code, our, our ritual, our um, little red book, whatever way you want to pronounce it. <clears throat> but we all follow the same uh, guides and regulations and rules that uh, make us odd follows and Rebecca's. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we go across, and it's actually funny you mentioned England because we were at the lodge one day, or Shirley was at the lodge one day, my wife, and this gentleman was out in the parking lot of our lodge, and he came over and said, I'm an odd follower from England. So we had a great chat and, um, you know, came in the lodge and took a look around. We had another gentleman show up from Sweden one night and just show up to a meeting. Uh, so it, it's, it's the same all our way, and that's the one thing that we can pride ourselves on is that our, our code, our ritual, is the same throughout mm-hmm. the world. It doesn't vary. It seems to me with all of these organizations, the one common thread seems to be fellowship. So if you are, uh, whether it be an odd fellow or Rebecca or whatever, that no matter where you go, people understand who you are and you're welcomed in to uh, the meeting or the coffee or whatever the case may happen to be. Yes. Let's talk about membership. And I, and I know that with most organizations, there were a lot more people involved in volunteer activity for years and years and years. But as you alluded to earlier, I found the same sort of thing is that it's difficult to find people to come out and help you to be volunteers in a given organization. Do you find that with Odd Fellows? Is that uh, something that is also a concern for you going forward? Well, again, if you look back to the 50s and we had 1,200 members like I'd preluded to and now we're down to probably about 40, um, just over 60 years later or seven years later, it is a problem. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've been around, I've been speaking with, you know, the, the different orga- other service clubs and different either fraternal organizations that are around, and they're all suffering the same thing. They're all going through the same withdrawal of membership. They're getting, it's, it's harder and harder to get people to commit yep. to want to make that uh, difference. And I implore to your, to your listeners, make a difference in your world. Make a difference in your, your community, your city, even your street. Do something today, tomorrow, the next day that will make it better for somebody else other than just yourself. Because if you leave the world in a better place, then think where, think where things will go. 
And I think the other message, too, is that uh, someone else, you know, I guess the psychology is somebody else will do this as opposed to me doing this. So you want to encourage people to get them involved, to get everybody involved. You joined Oddfellows and Rebecca's back in 1999? Yes. Okay. So you've been around 20 years in the organization. 20 years. What prompted you to join this organization out of all the other organizations around? At the time when I joined, I was Shirley and I, my wife and I were both looking for something to do uh, to give something back to the community because uh, we fully believe, uh, being from the East Coast, that you have to do for somebody else before you do for yourself. And uh, at the time, Shirley, my wife was in retail and uh, dealing with ladies' fashions and was able to um, facilitate a fashion show to happen at that lodge. Now, the lodge at that point, 20 years ago, uh, not many people were invited off the street to go through the lodge. It was just, it was a private meeting area for, for Oddfellows and Rebecca's. So when that happened, after the fashion show, I was down in the coffee room and I got cornered by a couple of the guys and said, uh, uh, you may want to join. Uh, so <laughs> it went You from, may want to join. You may want to join. So after some thought, we did. Uh, I joined the Oddfellows and Shirley joined the Rebecca's. And uh, I mean, the rest is history. Uh, but again, it was um, a past grandmaster's son that recruited me and uh, made me, you know, became my sponsor and showed me the ropes. Uh, Don Foster, and his father's Newt Foster. Now Don is, uh, uh, I think, a former quarterback, and they they still meet at the lodge every single Tuesday. And uh, the old members like to to get together and tell lies and and have some coffee. One of the things we haven't talked about is the structure that's involved, and we don't want to get into a lot of detail, but obviously there's an internal structure in each lodge, and I would assume that uh, when you became Grandmaster of Ontario, there's that's a step up, so you have a certain level of responsibility for the whole province when you get to that level as Grandmaster. Yes, um, in a lodge. I mean, you basically, if you look at a service club or any other organization, you have a president, vice president. Yep. Uh, so we have the same things. It's termed differently. Uh, we have noble grand, vice grand, and then you have a person in charge of your district, which could be two lodges, could be five lodges. In this case, it was six at the time. Now we're down to four. Uh, but then you go up and up and up, and then you hit the province of Ontario. So you go to Stratford, uh, which is where our grand lodge sessions are, are held. Um, we almost got to see Justin Bieber two years ago. We just missed him by about 10 minutes at the Dairy Queen, but that's another story. And Are then, you trying to tell me that would have been the highlight of your year? Uh, free ice cream <laughs> is free ice cream <laughs> at Dairy Queen. But uh, And then from there, you, you go as a representative from your lodge or from your district to, uh, to, to vote on the different things that are transpiring in the order. Um, and then you know, they have elections every year where they are asking for people to step up and want to ramp up to become the Grand Master. So you become Grand Warden. Uh, then Deputy Grandmaster, which I am currently, and then Grandmaster the following year. So what does a Grandmaster do besides tour Ontario? Uh, Grandmaster basically has a couple things. Um, you have to have a vision. You have to want to see the order advance or progress to some uh, point uh, where you can say, I've made a difference. And that's what it is. It's not about me being the Grandmaster. It's about all of us doing something accumulatively that we can accomplish a goal and again, back to the million dollar question or the million dollar story, uh, that's what we accomplished back in 2017. That was our, our the end result of a lot of very hard work. Um, you so when you're talking about being a grandmaster, a, a good chunk of your function is being a cheerleader, is trying to push people, trying to get them excited about doing something, trying to thank them for their contributions, that sort of thing. Yes, and okay. then trying to you know try and recruit new membership and, and different avenues like that as well. Any particular highlight from your term as grandmaster in 2017-18? 
that you can recall? <laughs> There's quite a few of them. The trip to Thunder you just Bay just get was, one. All right, just one. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Uh, well, I didn't know, uh, being from down east, uh, born and brought up in New Brunswick, that there was such a fish called a white fish. I had no clue that that fish existed. I presumed it was something, I guess, uh, beyond me. We were in Boshwana Bay overnight, and they had fish and chips. Which is where, sorry? Um, just uh, this side of Thunder Bay. Okay. Other side of Thessalon, so sort of in between. Uh, but we stopped this place. It was a laundromat, motel, hotel, uh, liquor store, gas station, the whole night or all in one. And the um, it was fish and chips for thirteen ninety or whatever it was. And I went in and said, what kind of fish is it? She says, white fish. I said, but is that cod, halibut, <laughs> to let, what kind of fish? And she said, no, it's white fish. So after about a five-minute well, discussion, I found out that white fish swim in the bay just outside of, of uh, Bushwana Bay. So I had a hamburger. <laughs> okay. We talked about fundraising and the kinds of causes that you support within the Oddfellows and Rebecca's. And um, I'm sort of curious to know where you get the money. Like what kinds of fundraising activities do Oddfellows and Rebecca's do primarily? All right. Well, you have to remember now we've been around for 200 years. So we do have some things that are set up from our forefathers that uh, we can still uh, bank upon and, and, and different, uh, like we have, a, for an example, we have a, a fund that's set aside for orphans so we can help educate them. If they, if an orphan needs education, we have the funds there to provide for it. When we go f- new fundraising now, you will see anything from, um, for an example, in Harrowsmith on the third Sunday of every month, they have a, a, either turkey or roast beef supper. You can go out for 15 bucks and you get well-fed and Brendan Reg and, and Steve and Charlotte and all those guys will certainly uh, be there to, to feed you, take care of you, get a piece of pie. That's how they bring some of their money in. I can attest to that. <laughs> we also rent out our halls to other organizations and then we try and make a little bit that way. In Kingston, we do carnival games twice or three times a year. So uh, we have, and, and that's the thing that we have to understand as well. You may not have the volunteers in numbers that will go out and do this. And that's the one thing that, that I've had the, the utmost luxury of having. But when you have people behind the scenes that are willing to support you, uh, like I work for Shoppers Drug Mart, and my, all my boss and, and the owner and everybody else has been so very supportive in making sure that I have the time off that I need to go and do this. And then B, mm-hmm. when things are certain things that they can help with, they will, because that's their contribution to helping with the overall picture. Um, we have Phil Egan, who owns the gas bar at Canadian Tire, a couple of times, three times a year. He'll jump in and, and donate a whole bunch of stuff towards our, our, our different fundraising events that we have going on at that time. So when you have everybody doing a little bit, the little bits add up to a big pot. Let's talk about this million-dollar story. We have alluded to it several times, and it's a good story. So why don't you give us a sense of what it is? All right. So in 1985, uh, for a little camp called Camp Trillium, and now it's a camp for children with cancer. Now, it originally started as a day camp and uh, was supposed to just be for two weeks, and then that was it as day camps. Over the course of the next oh, 10 or 12 years or so, uh, it went to a full camp where it went very start of the spring to the end of the summer, even into the fall, and they would have anywhere between four and 500 families that would arrive to the camp and take part in the different activities. Uh, with Camp Trillium, the child gets off, with the family, the family goes one way, the child goes the other way, and they have a week camping, which is all paid for completely by the Camp Trillium themselves. So back uh, about 10 years ago now, uh, one of the Garrett members, family members, passed away, and the island that the Camp Trillium was on, was known as Garrett's Island, was had to be sold 
to settle the estate. So the Oddfellows and Rebecca's of Ontario stepped up and we bought this island for a million dollars. And our commitment to them was we were going to buy this island for them and pay it off. So every year, every grandmaster and every president of the Rebecca Assembly would go together and we would raise whatever money we could raise to get the job done. So I had the privilege in, 19, in 2017, my wife and I, Shirley, uh, traveling the province, raising this money, and we were able to make the final payment on the island, which would have been, I guess, with interest and everything, about $1.25 million or something like that. And then we also raised extra that we were able to start the new medical center that they're building. So from a little organization like us, and again, it all goes back down to how much can you do, what can I do? Our little organization, well, it's not so little, but our organization, the Oddfellows and Rebecca's of Ontario, were able to raise over $1 million to buy this island for kids, kids with cancer. When you look at the numbers and you see how many kids, and I believe it's 300 a year, that are diagnosed with cancer, and 25% of them don't ever make it uh, past early childhood, if you can make one kid's life better in any given day, that's what every single kilometer that we drove made it worthwhile for us was just knowing that we're going to make some little some little kid happier and, and better in, in their life. One of the messages is every little bit helps. And yes. when it gets all pulled together, then you can accomplish something significant. And congratulations to the Oddfellows and Rebecca's for all the good work. Where is this guy? If you went to Picton and then through to Wellington, uh, right down on the water, there's an old factory that's there. And that's where the boat dock is. If you look to the left, you'll see uh, sandbanks and you just go across on a rift and they'll take you right across the island. So this is the major work that you're looking at continuing in Ontario is to support this camp among the other causes that yes. you do support. So now you are going to be the Grand Master again. In Not May. too many people get the chance to do the job a second time. I guess I didn't do it well enough the first time, so <laughs> I get a redo. So they've drawn you back in to, to take on the role one more time. So have you got the vehicle all warmed up and ready to go for later this year? I probably have to go to an oil change between now and then, <laughs> but yes, uh, pretty much. And in actuality, we have the luxury um, because some certain things happen is, you know, from time to time, any organization. So there's actually three of us going to be doing splitting the province in three. So I'll actually, my territory is going to be basically from Barrie East. So okay. it's still quite a ways, and I, that little Toronto corridor again, but uh, we'll get through it all right. Well, that's excellent. We have run out of time on the program. Well, thank so you, So it flew by quite quickly, and we appreciate you coming in and telling us a little bit more about the Oddfellows and Rebecca's and continued success with uh, your involvement and with the organization itself. Well, thank you very much, Dave. And if I could leave you with one last uh, reminder and just a shout out to, to the, the people listening. With whatever you do, with whatever you're going to do, with whatever you think you're doing, uh, I ask you to please remember that there's no limit as to what you can actually do and accomplish. And there's nowhere that you can go as long as you don't mind who gets the credit. Because if you don't care about who's getting the credit, the job will get done. And I leave you with that. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Jim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.